Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Yeah, excited about this one uh, with you guys uh, because we have with us today Dr. Ken Wilson, who is an MD, yes, a medical doctor, and he also holds a doctorate in philosophy from the University of Oxford. He practices medicine as a board-certified orthopedic hand surgeon, and he is the author of The Foundation of Augustinian Calvinism. So with all of that, we want to welcome Dr. Ken Wilson to the show. Thank you, Joe and Chad. Good to be here. Praise the Lord, uh, Dr. Ken. And we just are so excited about uh, what you're going to share. Could you give an example, you know, in the early church fathers of a some words, take any church father you want, where you feel his words are being misrepresented to teach Calvinism, and then just give the context of that those that particular statement, perhaps? <laughs> well, one of them that James White tried to use <laughs> was just... Uh, the Diognetus or Amathetes. Oh my goodness. Um, uh. He's talking about the the word elect or predestination. And this is a favorite thing that they do. They pick up on a word and they import the current Calvinist meaning into that word. Well, they use predestination. Obviously, they believe Calvinist predestination. They use the word elect. Obviously, they believe that God elects, you know, unconditionally. Um, that's the mistake that's made. And you have to say, no, when they're talking about they're using biblical words, you have to go with what all the other church fathers are saying this means, not what people after Cal, after Augustine and Luther and Calvin think it means. Uh, but that's, that's a very common mistake is to take a word, pull it out, and they do not read the entire context or the entire work of that particular early church father to see what all of those are. Um, I, I see it all the time, and it drives me nuts um, because they're not being honest with the text. Amen. Uh, Dr. Wilson, if you could, uh, you know, you wrote another book, and I just ordered it. I wish I wrote the name down. I just ordered it recently uh, from the controversy that had, you know, was in the uh, Grace Evangelical Society regarding, uh, you know, the statement by Zane Hodges or the the belief, which actually where he changed the actual doctrinal statement uh for a while, you know, before his death. And right. I know a lot of people, the majority rejected this, the declaration, basically that you can reject that Jesus Christ is God or not believe that he's God, not believe that he's Savior, but as long as you hold to the view of eternal security, you're saved. But if you reject eternal security, you believe those doctrines that he's God and Savior, uh, you know, you're lost. And I just thought yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. I'd read an article by David R. Anderson, Dr. Dr. David Anderson, where he states, uh, and I believe he belongs to that society, he said, but we have no written record, help me if I'm wrong, of anyone teaching forgiveness of post-baptismal sins once and for all at a point of faith in Christ. Hence, none of them, meaning the early church fathers and for the first 1,500 years of church history, he states, none of them taught eternal security or assurance of salvation. So he's basically stating that, and on the Wikipedia entry on this subject, under I think it's under the theology of grace, uh, the Grace Evangelical Society, it also states that uh, a majority of the people that you know, in the society rejected that viewpoint because it basically made the 
early church or in the first 1500 church, you know, uh, history, uh, everybody was damned <laughs> until people started <laughs> believing in eternal security. Now, now, just real quick, I just want to give the, the title of the book is Heresy of the Grace Evangelical Society, Become a Christian Without Faith in Jesus as God and Savior. That's the book you're referring By to. By Ken. That was, By Ken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By Ken Russell. Yeah, Chad, Joe, that's, that's uh, oh my gosh. And, you know, I, I have a personal friendship with Zane Hodges. I, I know Bob Wilkin well. I know these men, and it's very difficult to write this book and to expose it as a heresy, but it is. Um, it's it's horrible what they've done to Scripture, just like Joe was mentioning, that you become a Christian without believing Jesus is God and Savior. You just have to believe somebody named Jesus guarantees you eternal security. Uh, <laughs> it's absurd. Uh, so, and I've just, I'm revising the book in appendix and appendix C to address even some more questions. And hopefully in the next two or three weeks, it'll be out, uh, with the publisher again, but, um, an absolutely, um, important viewpoint to understand that you have to believe every single writing from early Christianity and upward says you have to believe Jesus is God in the flesh. You have to believe him as our savior from sin or you're not a Christian. I mean, how can you think otherwise? I, yeah. yeah. Another one of my, my soapboxes. I'm sorry. It's just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your soapboxes are more than welcome here. You know, we're really blessed by them. <laughs> Would you agree though that uh, from the statement of, you know, some of those in Grace Theological, that, that society, uh, the, the conviction, which I think really points, you know, up to your work that you're basically damning the first 1500 years of church history because not, you know, there's not any clear writers expounding and writing that, you know, the Bible teaches eternal security. No, that's exactly right. Anderson wrote that in, uh, in a journal and, uh, they, they went for years and finally, uh, Nimala came up with a lectionary answer, which is absolutely absurd. And I answer that in appendix a in that book and say, that's just a logical fallacy. It's an informal logical fallacy that he's created. Um, and in fact, the appendix C is going to pick up on that as well and uh, point out how that that is not a reasonable position to take. You, you cannot take that. If you can't say, well, I believe you have to believe in eternal security. There's zero evidence anybody believed in eternal security <laughs> up until the Reformation. And so that's damning every Christian <laughs> from zero to 1500s? Wow. I don't think so. so well, that, now I have a really, really important question for you, Dr. Wilson. Should I cancel my order of your book until I can get the one with Appendix C in it? Yes, <laughs> Amazon yes, 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 yes. I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, cancel cancel that order, Joe. And, <laughs> and then I, I, this really this really should be out in three weeks. Okay, so by the end of March, uh, we should have the Appendix C in it. Um, so it'll it'll add a little bit more uh, understanding to what I'm trying to say because I actually Wilkin wrote a couple of blogs daily. I call them blog fogs. Uh, in answering my book. <laughs> and uh, and so I just responded to a couple and say, this is what he's doing. Uh, and so. Right. Yeah. And Wilkins, it's, by the way, for our audience, he basically, you know, was discipled in a way by Zane Hodges and kind of picked up the view and has presented it since that time. And and yep. ho- hopefully I'll, I'll get the book later in March and I'll have that appendix over well, Joe's head. Well, I'll have head. two, bro. I'm, <laughs> one, so. I'm just kidding. I'll let you check no. out the one with the appendix. No, that, <laughs> excellent, excellent stuff. You know, and, and, you know, once again, I just want to point out we're here with Dr. Ken Wilson. We're so excited to have him here. It's just been a great discussion, not only covering the foundations of Augustinian Calvinism, but also going into Augustine's conversion from traditional free choice 
to non-free free will. And we're going to put both of these books in the description of this uh, of the video and also for the podcast show as well. And, and it, it, these are, the, guys, these are really, really important. I, as I mentioned, and I had told Joe, and we've actually talked about it on a number of shows previously, before we ever hit up Ken uh, for an interview, I said, man, I'd love to have Ken on because going through this book, I, I have to say, going through it was such a blessing for, I, I, I have a lot of young guys. Some of them are philosophy students at, as well uh, at Biola University and, and elsewhere. And they're trying to get an understanding of where all of this is coming from. And we like to go back to the foundations. I think one of the most beneficial things uh, after scripture was going back to the, that foundational period. And to see that, I, I think people don't realize how long 400 years is when you think of church history, that we have there, there's this one voice, and I want to ask you about that. I don't want to. I don't want to bury the question and, and and answer it for you, but we have this 400 year time period, and it seems that there is more one voice concerning this one subject. So maybe you can kind of kind of ferret that out for us in terms of explaining why it's so important that we kind of see the same thing being said over and over pre Augustine. So good question, Chad. The Bottom line on that is that you're right. It's univocal. I'm not the only one saying that. Other scholars are saying the same thing. I mean, even uh, um, well-known, uh, highly respected historians are saying the same thing. So they're all saying God elects based on foreknowledge, not unilaterally. Every God loves every human equally. We all have access to believe in Christ. There's nothing special. I mean, that is the party line. And we know how many divisions. Christians love to divide. You know, they love to argue about things and, and chop into little pieces. And yet the church was univocal on those issues. That's just key to understand they were all saying the same thing. There wasn't any, nobody stepped out of bounds uh, until you get to Augustine. Uh, very impressive uh, in church history. Yeah, it's interesting too. Just the uh, controversy on Romans 7. I mean, you look at the early church fathers, it, they believe that, uh, you know, when Paul's talking about, you know, his battle, you know, with the flesh and so forth, uh, which Augustine could not, you know, countenance later after he, be, you know, he changed his view, but he was one of the earliest people to have the viewpoint that Paul, you know, did not have that view pre-Christian because there was no free will. So how could he be battling, you know, not wanting to do what he did and so forth and uh, pre-Christian. Yep. So it's interesting that it seems to have colored a lot of the ways he understood scripture prior to 412. He just revert. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, it, it just almost like a, I mean, it's like you, when you're reading his later works, it's like, if you don't look at it, I mean, I'm just, I'm blown away because I'm looking at his later works and I'm, I'm saying, how would you look at this if you don't know what happened in the Reformation and you're in the fifth yeah. century and you're reading his works in light of being conversant with what the church, as you were saying, there was a pretty good consensus in the early church. It must have floored them. And I think that's why even some of the Roman Catholic councils, you know, had rejected some of his hard determinism, even though they yeah. accept some of it now, depending on the theologian. Yeah. No, the early church did not uh, bring up his double predestination, which he clearly taught. Uh, God elects to hell and elects to heaven. He, he brings people in to damn them uh, purposely for his glory. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, that is not the Christian God uh, whatsoever. Yeah, he even taught the damnation of infants, which Calvin, right. you know, I've, I've read a lot of Calvin, and he teaches that infants that are not elect are arduous or hateful to God. And that's like, yeah. it's reprehensible. It's like, this is not the, the, the God who said that he never decreed, and I'm quoting the 
you know, the English Standard Version, the Calvinist translation in Jeremiah 7, that he never decreed that they would, you know, burn their children in the fire, yet yeah. we want to believe that God decreed that those non-elect infants have been decreed to eternal damnation for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. it's mind-boggling. And, and this is why this issue matters to us, because, you know, Job, uh, uh, Satan was trying to get Job to reject, you know, the God that loved him. And, and it's just interesting that he, you know, was trying to besmirch when I just was thinking of the book of Job from time to time that, you know, or Moses, you know, just, uh, basically teaching that God is, or not teaching, but just when he got angry and hit the rock a second time and God said, I wasn't angry with the people. He was misrepresenting God to the people. And that was a big no, no, but how much worse to teach that God wants to damn most of humanity has predetermined them and every wicked thought. And Calvin teaches this in his book on predestination, which I have heavily underscored, that he predestines their, even their wicked thoughts. And then he blames them for having the very wicked thoughts yeah, and yeah. actions that they do and they when they couldn't have done otherwise. It makes no philosophical sense, makes no biblical sense, yet there's a resurgence of this doctrine right now as we speak. So that's why we believe books like yours are so valuable. Yeah, Joe, I, it's horrible to see God in that light. And uh, it, it goes against, I think, everything that the early church taught. And I'm not the only one saying that. The other scholars do too. It goes against scripture. And unless you put on your Augustinian, Manichaean, Neoplatonic, Stoic glasses, you're going to see what's there. You have to put on those glasses to find Calvinism in those scriptures. Um, no, and and you know it's it's so refreshing, you know. To one of the things, you know, I told I told Joe it was really awesome listening to a couple different interviews you did. I think I think the first time I heard you, it was the original interview you did with with uh, Dr. Layton Flowers, and I think I was at the gym uh, shooting basketball. I, I remember, and I was just listening on my headphones. And I'm like. Joe, this is everything we've been saying, but at least he's got the uh, the doctorates to 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 go behind. And and by the way, a lot more than we were saying. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, lot, uh, yeah. yeah. I I don't have all my. Uh, I haven't read all of Augustine just yet, there, uh, Doctor Wilson. But, uh, but but nonetheless, I I just I was blessed so much by the book, and I do want to I I want to because we are going to speak strongly, and that's one thing I've I've liked about what you've said over and over. Not only what you've written. I, I felt one of, like I told Joe, I was like, I, I think I wrote boom, like multiple times, like in my book <laughs> copy, I said, boom, that's, that's, that's right. You know? And I, I do love that you, you speak with veracity and you're saying, Hey, no, we need to be serious about these things. And I think it's, it's really, really important, but also you mentioned something and I, and I saw that you were mischaracterized. So I'd love to have you answer that a, a little bit as well, where someone quoted from the foundation, uh, foundations of Augustinian Calvinism and said that you believe that that Calvinists actually worship a different God is that is that true, Doctor Wilson? Um, that's one of James White's uh, exaggerations. Um, he said that in uh, one of his podcasts that I was forced to listen to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to interview with Leighton Flowers. That was painful. Um, but no, that is not not he's he's uh, being deceptive in what he's saying there. Uh, what I have said is that Calvinists are Christians. They're my Christian brothers. They believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's the same God. What they're doing is picking up a Gnostic, Manichaean view of God, a Stoic view of God, a Neoplatonic view of God, and incorporating that character 
into the Christian God. It's not a different God. It's that the character of the God is different, and that's dangerous. Uh, we'd have to have a biblical view of God in order to live life appropriately. We can't have God being somebody who he's not. Amen, brother. So since we're on this topic, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, Wesley considered, you know, Whit, Whitfield, for instance, a Christian. He discipled Whitfield. And at the same time, Wesley, you know, he called Calvinism poison. And he said that Calvinism made the God of the Bible worse than the devil because at least the devil only tempts you. But this God forces you by predetermination to do evil. Yet we wouldn't say that he didn't also, you know, believe that a Calvinist were, were brethren. Uh, at the same time, uh, by the way, I do have a, a criticism of your book, brother, uh, the yeah. foundation, and I'm just going to throw it at you. When I, I underlined it so much that I can't discern what I liked versus what I didn't because everything's underlined. And now I'm like, now I've got to like double underline the special things, but it's, all, it's so special. I encourage people to grab the foundation of Augustinian Calvinism. It's an amazing book, but I do have a follow-up to that. Brother, okay. are you going to debate James White? Because I'm telling you right now, as a fellowship, we will pay for your airfare. In fact, you know what? We, we love James. James has done some really wonderful things in the bodies and done some great debates and so forth with Muslims and so forth. Yeah. Uh, we would actually pay for yours and James's uh, airfare, uh, you know, hotel lodging, as long as James doesn't take a five point or five star hotel. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, that just came to me <laughs> anyway. Uh, so just, I, we would love to see that debate on the early church fathers. Yeah, I said I would be happy to debate him. I haven't heard a word. Um, the offer's been out there. So, um, you know, I said, whenever he's got time, you know, uh, I'm happy to do that. Um, he debates a, a lot. I'm wondering if he's going to find the time to debate you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, I already know where he's going to go. And uh, it's going to be smoke and mirrors, I'm afraid. And mm. those those kind of debating tactics are hard to beat unless you can get behind it and see what's happening. And that's what the audience is going to have to understand. Well, um, we love uh, your, 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 the spirit in which you communicate, too. So you, you're not only a very gifted scholar, but uh, the way you communicate is the way you dealt with uh, James White, with uh, uh, Leighton and so forth. I just thought, wow, he'd be awesome to see the debate with James. Yeah, and you know, um, Dr. Wilson, I, I wanted to, you know, I was going to read you a quote, and maybe that that'll help to piggyback uh, a question I had for for you overall. And Irenaeus happens to be uh, my favorite early church father. Him and Athanasius, I think I go back and forth on the two. But uh, even my own, uh, my my son, who is his birthday yesterday, his name is Justice Irenaeus uh, Davidson. I've always been a big fan. But that's uh, my grandson's name, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's, Joe's my father. <laughs> but but nonetheless, I I was reading this morning. I typically uh, after my uh, scripture reading, I usually do something. I read an early church father of some degree, and I was reading Irenaeus. This morning, and in Against Heresies, uh, this is what it had to say. And I'm not exaggerating, not making that up. I really was, just happened to be reading this this morning. But um, he says, those words, however, in which he says, how often would I have gathered your children together, but you would not make clear the ancient law of human liberty. For God made man free from the beginning so that he possessed his own power, just as his own soul, to follow God's will freely, not being compelled by God. For with God, there is no coercion. And so for me, I just, I think that quote is pretty, I, I wrote boom in the book as well, uh, once again, but uh, it, it's it's so clear. Do you have one of the early church fathers, you don't necessarily have to give us a quote off the top of your head or anything, but an early church father as a whole 
who would specifically, you say, this guy, without a doubt, I could go to his reading uh, writings and say, bam, he just hammered against dupied, as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, said the uh, Justin Martyr is full of uh, those kind of quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, I cite them a bunch. Irenaeus is also one of my favorites. Um, you can look at him. You can just, I mean, you just go through them. And if you get the bigger book, the, the thesis book, um, the dissertation from Oxford, I have the, those in there. I mean, they're quoted. Um, unfortunately, they're in, in the original Greek in many cases. Um, but there's so many that you just go, wow. Um, and Athanasius is also one of my favorite. He's called the Black Dwarf. He was yeah. a black man from Africa. Yeah. And uh, I have personally called him, uh, he is my spiritual hero. Uh, we would not have Christianity today as we know it if it had not been for the perseverance of Athanasius against attempted murder. I mean, they were trying to kill the man all the time. Yeah, well, he was uh, in prison so, more than once, right? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> no, unbelievable man. He's. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him when we get up there. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, shake and- his hand and thank him personally for his perseverance. And that's awesome, man. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I know Dr. Thomas Oden did a lot of work uh, just specifically about the the effects that Africa as a whole had on Western theology, which is pretty pretty amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, Doctor Wilson. W- as far as the consensus goes, I mean, uh, David Brousseau, uh edited the you know, uh, you pro- I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, the Dictionary of Early Church Fathers, and he comes to the same conclusion as you do if you look under salvation, you know, and, and these teachings. Uh, I, I mean, he's so much. I mean, he's so much into the Early Church Fathers. He I love David Brousseau, a lot of his writings and so forth, but uh, you're very, you know, we want to let our audience know because he kind of emulates them in so many ways, you know, and we got to make sure, obviously we don't want to say, well, the early church fathers are on par with scripture. We don't say that, but we say when you see uh, the early church fathers have a consensus, especially when you're looking in the first, late first century with Clement or Ignatius or Polycarp. And, you know, some of these guys were like Clement and Polycarp, Ignatius, what was it? Ignatius and uh, Polycarp, disciples of the Apostle John, and Irenaeus, Irenaeus, a disciple of Polycarp. They knew the Koine Greek. Uh, they lived it. Many of them were martyrs. I mean, uh, a number of the church fathers were, were martyrs as well. Uh, isn't there something to say, even though we don't want to elevate them to Scripture, but they're all, especially so closely knitted to the apostles, saying the same thing. As you mentioned earlier, uh, they, they spoke with one voice. Uh, is there an area where you see, uh, I think we can't agree, though, later on in church history, you did have some statements from Origen and so forth, where uh, he began to look at, for instance, prophecy in a more allegorical way. But even that right. that influenced Augustine. So it's kind of interesting. It's almost like he took the, the worst of the Gnostic elements and, and brought them into Christianity, but he also took the weaknesses of some of the later church fathers and brought them into at least his hermeneutic. Yeah, he did. Um, but but allegorization had gone all the way back to Philo of Alexandria, uh, pre-Christ. Um, and so sure. that was a, a not uncommon way to view it. And even some people would even say it went back to the uh, the Iliad. So um, that wasn't an unusual thing to be allegorical in an interpretation. Um, but I, as far as the early church fathers and, and martyrs, I like to point out to my students that martyr was not the last name of Justin. <laughs> um, <Amen>. you know, <laughs> it's just, Justin Martyr was martyred, and that's why he's called Justin Martyr. Uh, so, yes, they were they were dying for their faith uh, at that point, and uh, we, we, we may not be far behind at the rate we're going. <laughs> so are you insinuating that maybe Christ wasn't Jesus' last name, too? 
<laughs> no, this is this is so excellent. I hope you guys are, are really being blessed by this. I know I, I I am, and I know Joe is as well. And we're we are talking to Dr. Ken Wilson specifically about his not only his doctrinal uh, I keep saying want to say thesis there, but his doctrinal dissertation here, Augustine's conversion from traditional free will to non-free free will, as well as. And this is the one I, I really want to encourage, just because I've read this one. Joe's the one who's got that one, so I haven't got a chance to dig in it too much. Just what the quotes that Joe showed me, but the foundations of Augustinian Calvinism. These are so such important works, and I really do believe that as we look at Scripture and we see also church history, that's one of our favorite things to look at as, as a body of Christ and, and recognize what are really the foundations of the systematic that you're holding to. Where are you getting them from? And this is really really important. And you know, that's a great time to bring up this question, because in the final thing, one of the things, the conclusion that you give in the foundations uh, for Augustinian Calvinism specifically is a call to the Calvinists, a call to the Calvinists to to come back to what the early church, you know, w- taught, what the scriptures teach. So I'd love for you to kind of, we only have about five minutes left, so I'd love for you to try to kind of give that call out a little bit to the the, the Calvinists that may still be holding to those doctrines, not recognizing really where the foundations come from? Um, sure, Chad. So what I found is it's very difficult to go to Scripture and convince a Calvinist, um, because when they read it, they read it with their Calvinist glasses. They're going to see what they've been taught to see. Uh, so you have to get away from Scripture. <laughs> I know that's heretical, yes. Uh, you have to get away from Scripture and back up, just as you were saying. And you have to back up, why do you view the Scripture that way? Why are you taking that interpretation? And so if you'll back the, the bus up and go, wait a minute, that came from Luther and Calvin, who got it from Augustine, who got it from Manichaeanism, Stoicism, and Neoplatonism, then it begins to make sense. Maybe I'm not interpreting this correctly when all the rest of Christianity held another view. Um, I think that's the power in this argument and seeing what happened is when you back the bus up, Calvinists that are honest should be able to say, hmm, I at least, at least need to take a look at this and see if this is legitimate. And I don't think there's any doubt that when you do that, if you're honest, you're going to find there's some serious problems with Calvinism because of how it happened uh, and what they did with the scripture. Well said, Dr. Wilson. In fact, I just want to you know, mention when uh, Dr. Wilson just said, you got to get away from scripture. I could see somebody taking that, even even taking a little audio clip of that. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then yeah. abusing you and saying, he was saying, we need to look at the church fathers and get away from scripture to come to these conclusions. And uh, yeah. it was very, very clear what you're saying is we need to make sure that when we approach scripture, our hearts are unbiased, that we don't come on, come on it with, you know, deterministic glasses, because it's really hard to find anybody who's come to a Calvinistic conclusion by just reading the scripture until they're taught by Calvinist. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, just look at the old church fathers, right? For a few centuries and they are being taught uh, those kind of principles of determinism or they've come out a lot of those backgrounds. But even with many of the early church fathers, you know, Justin Martyr was, you know, into philosophy prior to becoming a Christian and so forth. And even Augustine, you know, initially, right, when he still held the views of the early church fathers. So even those who were influenced by determinism in the early church period, first few centuries, they had some baggage coming in, but the scriptures were so clearly, uh, you know, very taught, taught a free moral agency that there was there a freedom of the will and that you do have a response that God loves all, that salvation is through faith and so forth. But uh, to, so to see that happen 
later in history and know what we know, I just think it's important that we understand that what Dr. Ken Wilson is saying is don't go to the scriptures with a bunch of baggage and then read it through Calvinistic lenses or any other lens. Just take it for what it says. And when Jesus says, or the Bible says, God doesn't will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, or he wills that all would be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, or that Jesus, you know, uh, is the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world, the same whole world that John says later, that we know that we are of God, but the whole world is under the power of the evil one. Same Greek words, by the way, as well. That's who Jesus gave his life for. Salvation is offered for all. We have an amazing, awesome, wonderful, beautiful God who loves us all and wants us all to be saved. And <laughs> Dr. Ken Wilson, we praise God for you because there has been, and I, I, I know this because of being a believer for, man, I'm getting old, almost 40 years here, uh, that there's been a vacuum in the church, a, a big hole in needing the works that you've presented in the way you've presented them. So we give you the highest uh, uh, praise that we can give a man for doing these kinds of works that are need for such a time as this. These works are needed so people can see who our true God is and what the early church, the the, the early church fathers, the pristine, uh, pristine church believes. So we thank you very much. I appreciate that, Joe, and you're right on. I, it's good preaching there. I like that. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much also for Dr. Ken Wilson, Joe, and myself, and God bless you. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.